please tell us how to have a long and healthy life. Well, first of all, quantity is not always synonymous with quality. There's a beautiful saying that it's not about how many days in your life, but about how much life in your days. We could stick ourselves into bubbles in which there's never the possibility of getting run over by a car, there's never the possibility of contracting an illness from someone, there's never the possibility of falling down the staircase. We could be fed by tubes. I mean, we could, we could literally set up such a controlled situation in which other than simply the karmic package we came in with, very little in the world had the possibility to steal our health or our life. But that's not a life. The moment we lock ourselves up in that bubble is actually the moment our life is over. And so it's important to recognize that yes, longevity is fantastic. Yes, we should pray for longevity. But we don't want to pray for it at the expense of quality. We don't want to be so afraid to fall from the top of the mountain that we don't ever climb to get there. We don't want to be so afraid of being stung by a bee that flies out of a flower that we never bend down to smell the flower. We don't want to be so afraid of ever getting thrown up on by a sick baby that we never actually take a baby in our arms. So we have to, have to really understand, well, what's, what's a meaningful life? Which interestingly, the question says healthy. And these days, a very, very beautiful intersection between medicine and spirituality is happening. In which that which spirituality has said for thousands and thousands of years about how to really live through being connected to the divine, through being connected to creation. Why, why do so many of our rituals take place in nature? I mean, these, these four walls and a roof of a church, a synagogue, a mosque, a temple. This is new stuff, relatively speaking, in terms of the history of humans. Why did they used to take place in nature? Why did people gather in nature in circles around fire, under the stars, in the trees, to connect us with nature, with the natural world? That connection with the divine, in of course a an infinite formless way, but also just as importantly in the form of that with which we are interacting on a day-to-day -day basis, is that which brings not only meaning, but now science is starting to tell us health in our lives. There's, there's so many studies, and I love them, I'll, I'll share only 
two with you of the role that spirituality plays. We know it plays a role, of course, in our happiness and health, but in our emotional health, but the role that it plays in our physical health. Duke University, which is one of the most esteemed and renowned research-based universities in America, did a study where for 20 years they followed thousands of people. And they watched every area of their lives, what they ate, did they drink, did they smoke, did they exercise, their relationships, their work, everything about life, to understand what played a role in health and longevity. And they found something really interesting. They weren't looking for it. That people who regularly attended a place of worship were 25% less likely to die of any cause than people who didn't. Now, that's not because we say don't smoke, don't drink, eat healthy foods, because they controlled for all that. It's not that somehow in our temples we're giving out you know, more organic food or that we're running medical care programs or handing out multivitamins or something. But there's somehow actually an, an almost inoculative effect to sickness and even death they found simply by being spiritually connected enough that you're not just a paying member of your church or temple, but that you actually go. Because simply being a paying member didn't actually help people. You had to actually show up. Dartmouth University, another very renowned university with a very prominent hospital and medical care program and medical school, started asking people, patients who came in after their first heart attack, one additional question on their intake form. In addition to all their health background, they asked one question. How religious are you? Not religious at all, somewhat religious, very religious. And what they found was that of those who checked not religious at all, about 11% of them had had a second fatal heart attack within six months. Now, it turns out that's actually relatively normal. Anybody who may be a doctor, anybody who's a cardiologist knows that typically the chances of a second fatal heart attack in the first six months are around that. But people who had checked very religious, guess what percent of them had a second fatal heart attack? Guess. Well, you knew the answer. <laughs> Zero. Not just zero percent, zero people at all. No one. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean religious people don't die. It doesn't mean spiritual people don't get sick. But what it means is that there is something that is so profoundly powerful about a deep connection to something that is higher than, bigger than, deeper than, just this physical existence. And 
There is such an intricate connection between what we think, what we feel, in what we would just call our hearts and our minds, and actually the working of our immune system, that we end up not just happier, but healthier. That that healthier of the heart and of the mind translates into healthier of the body. And so in terms of living a long and healthy life, that, that connection. Because of course, yeah, you could still get hit by a car at 20. Your child could still get hit by a car at 10 or 15. But that connection, not only does it keep you healthier physically and mentally, emotionally, but when things happen, we actually end up much, much more able to, to move through them. And so whatever comes, we're able to handle it. We're able to move through it. We're able to learn from it. We're able to use it as a way to peel back layers of ourself. So that spiritual connection, I would say, is the most important aspect. And then the other piece of that, of course, is that on a very logistic level, a spiritual connection actually leads you to the same type of healthy habits that your doctor would tell you, or that if you go on Google, it would tell you. Because the stuff that we do that's not healthy, the overeating, the eating of too much junk food, the smoking, the drinking, the drugs, that whatever it is, well, we do it because we're looking for something from it. It's not our, not our bodies that are craving the sugar that's going to make my insulin spike and ruin my health. It's not my body that's craving the alcohol or the nicotine. The body does its best to expel it. That's why when people first start smoking, they cough and cough. You have to, you have to actually teach yourself to smoke. There's nobody who picks up a cigarette and from the first puff says, oh my God, I've been waiting for you my whole life. You have to teach yourself to do it. So the reason we teach ourselves to do that kind of stuff is because there's something lacking somewhere. Why do we stuff ourselves full of food long after we're full, long after we're even sick? Because there's an inner emptiness. And on some warped but very understandable and natural level, I'm going to try to fill it with chocolate cake if I can't fill it with love. On some level, I feel guilty. I feel sad. I feel empty. I feel pained. And for those reasons, I'm going to harm myself. I'm going to drink. I'm going to use drugs. I'm going to do these things to numb myself so I don't feel the things that I don't want to feel. Maybe I'm going to do them to punish myself on some level. Maybe I don't feel that I deserve to be healthy and happy. 
So I'm going to unconsciously punish myself. Maybe I'm going to try to unconsciously punish others. You hurt me, now watch. There's as many different psychological reasons for why we do what we do as there are people. But the similarity amongst them is that they're all rooted in a lack of deep spiritual grounding. They're rooted in a lack of awareness of the, the fullness of who we are, the enoughness of who we are, the completeness of who we are, the rightness of who we are. The amount that each of us deserves to occupy our space on planet Earth. They're rooted in a lack of fulfillment from the inside. So we're trying to pull it in from the outside. And the one solution to all of that, it doesn't of course obliterate the need for psychology. Psychology still is a beautiful role. But what spirituality gives us is the foundation to actually understand who we are and where we're going and why we're here and what it's about and that we are enough and that we are right and that we are deserving. Not necessarily of people to act in a certain way but of occupying our space, of our life, of happiness, of joy, of peace. And that whatever other people do is just their karmic package. And I don't need to eat myself or drink myself or smoke myself into oblivion just because of what someone else has or hasn't done to me or for me. And so miraculously what we find is we stop doing the things that harm us. And so suddenly we eat only that which we need, only that which is in tune with our bodies. I remember when I first started doing yoga, somebody asked my yoga teacher about cigarette smoking. And, you know, they were trying to stop smoking and it was difficult and they wanted to start yoga, but did they have to stop smoking before they started yoga? Was that some sort of prerequisite? And my yoga teacher said to him, he said, just start yoga, you automatically will stop smoking. Because as the yoga becomes more and more of who you are, there won't be room in you to be a yogi and to be a smoker. Automatically. Automatically you will stop that. And on a personal level, I remember when I was late teenager, when I was in college, when I was in graduate school, I used to go to the gym a lot and run a lot on treadmills. And I was, I was stressed and there was just something about getting on the treadmill and running and running and running and running. And of course, if I was out somewhere where I could run outside, I would run outside. If not, I would run on the treadmill and just run and run and run until you're sweating, 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 panting, 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 panting. And there was this incredible sense of release of freedom of you know now that we we understand it chemically with the endorphins and whatnot but for me it was really the the solution to the stress i was experiencing 
And when I started doing yoga, I remember vividly one day I'd been doing yoga for maybe six months, nine months, and for that time I was doing both. I was doing the yoga, and I was still running like crazy on the treadmill. One day I walked into the gym, and I stood there, and I looked at the treadmill, and this voice in my mind said to me, I, I was maybe 22, 23 at the time, and a voice inside my head said to me, you want me to do what for the next 45 minutes? And I turned around and walked out. Not that exercise isn't wonderful for us, but that for me, the, the reason I needed to do it was not so much about the health, it was that I needed it to lower my stress. I needed it to numb myself. I needed it to get out of that place of being present with my life at that time. And suddenly, the yoga had removed that need for me. And suddenly the idea of, you know, running like a hamster until I was going to collapse on a conveyor belt for 45 minutes just no longer was, was a need that I had. And so this is what happens in our life, whether it's the chocolate cake, whether it's the smoking, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever we do that is shortening our life or reducing our health, we automatically stop that or at least lessen that. And so automatically our health is going to improve. But if we begin with it from the spiritual side, then it's not such a struggle. Then it's not just, okay, starting tomorrow, first thing tomorrow I'm going to be on a diet and tonight I'm just going to finish off all these cookies because from tomorrow I'm going to be on a diet. Instead of it being that, it's, hey, wait, this is a temple. This is, this is my medium of consciousness. And tomorrow morning when I sit to meditate, if I finish off this bag of cookies, there is no way I'm going to have a good meditation. Because I'm going to be so sick in the morning that all I'm going to do is keep, you know, burping and having acid come up and I'm not going to even be able to get out of bed. I'm going to be so bloated. I'm definitely going to oversleep my meditation. And so I don't need to say to myself, no more cookies. What I simply do is start the meditative practice and it begins to, to heal the rest. <laughs>